0: It's Livin' the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream
1: we right, back on Live in the Bream this week. I've got somebody that you will know if you're a listener. And what I love is that he's actually in studio with me. We've got the founder and president. Is that accurate to say? Yes, ma'am. Of Arc of Justice, Major Will Osten, who is a veteran. He is a litigator. He is a warrior. I think that's the right name to use for you. Um, and he's just, what he's doing, if you've listened to our conversations before, he's advocated for wounded warriors who want to stay in service to to our country but because of bureaucratic problems they're being forced out of the service so we'll talk about that but he's also got a brand new book the patriots field manual a citizen's guide to saving america at the local level major welcome back
0: it's great to be with you shannon always a joy
1: The pleasure is mine. Okay, so I got to say, I don't even know where to start. Um, You are working on, and you have been for years, legislation to close this loophole that we've talked about before. People like you um, who get sick while they're in service, while they're in uniform, they want to stay. They want a chance to recover and continue serving in uniform. But because of a bureaucratic problem, many of them are being forced out, some of them very close to retirement too. What's the status of getting help on Capitol Hill? Of raising awareness? Of trying to solve this problem?
0: Right. Well, first of all, because of your involvement since day one with us, you know, we launched Arc of Justice on Fox News at Night, That's Veterans right. Day 2019, and you know, you've just been faithful to have us on the podcast, provide updates in Fox News Sunday with Kathy McMorris Rogers. So, because we actually have, and I, you know, I'm just gonna effusively praise you here because Please we don't. we have a modern day <laughs> Queen Esther no, no, no. on behalf of a generation of women warriors. It no. is true. Um, basically, we are on the one yard line of getting what's called the Wounded Warrior Bill of Rights passed. So Right now, we have our legislative language inside the National Defense Authorization Act in the House of Representatives, so that is a huge win, mm-hmm. Shannon. As I've talked to you when I started this about five years ago, you know I didn't realize what a big deal that was, but now you know the onion of naivete has been peeled off, and I'm like, wow, this is huge. Mm-hmm. So, and we... just so
1: people know, that is the bill that funds our defense system.
0: Exactly right. So the military every year there's not usually things hardly ever called standalone bills, so we we've had four standalone bills in the last four years so we've had house resolution numbered bills senate resolution but everything gets put into the ndaa omnibus which is passed and signed by the president at the end of the year so it's usually like 5 to 6000 pages so the fact that our legislative fix is like 3 pages of those 6000 that's huge <laughs> now we're waiting for champions in the senate and i'm very grateful for senator rick scott and all that he's done and now we just need to get some democratic senators which we're you know working on right now so we are on the one yard line shannon and i'm hoping that god does a miracle this year and punch it in if not I'll be back in 2024 continuing yes, to fight will. you
1: are not somebody who is easily discouraged although you've had your own health struggles and fights and that's how this whole thing started you became aware of the problem um you have various serious health issues and yet you've continued to advocate for other people and I have no doubt if it doesn't make it this year, you will be back for however many years it takes. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because a lot of people would have become discouraged at this point. But you are actually, it's too late for your case, but you're representing other people. And you're trying to draw awareness to this problem that there are people, you've told me stories that are heartbreaking, people right. that are so close to retirement or brand new 18, 19 year olds who have no idea that they have inability ability to fight these decisions. Right,
0: so when, when with what happened to me is it was a simple math error um, because I was diagnosed with my illness on January 2nd, 2018, this new bureaucratic agency called Defense Health Agency had come online January 1st, 2018, so I, I might have been like patient one or patient zero. Mm-hmm. And they just, a bureaucrat just made a mistake. And she said, hey, you know, you like have been malingering and you've been just waiting around for two years. I'm like, no ma'am, I was just diagnosed like a month ago. And so she improperly enrolled me into this medical separation process. When I went to her to correct the math mistake, she admitted that she had made a mistake. And I was like, great, please disenroll me. She said, I will not do that. And I was shocked and I said, why not ma'am? She said, because I say so, you're just a number to me. Mm-hmm. And what that meant is, you know, I was counting against her numbers because in tw- at the beginning of. 2018, the Pentagon at the higher level, not the military services. The military services, Army, Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Space Force, everyone—they love what I'm doing. They support it. We're talking about a higher echelon of Office of Secretary of Defense, personal and Readiness, Defense Health Agency, and you know they now were like, we're going to get wounded warriors out, and it was very short-sighted, Shannon, because look at what a dangerous world we're living in right now, mm-hmm. and so. It's not only a justice issue for people at the end of their careers. It's also they're losing middle management Mm -hmm. like me You know, I could have trained the next generation of warfighters I served over 12 years in active duty as a JAG attorney for special operations forces in combat in Iraq and Afghanistan Mm -hmm. And it's also we're losing our future warfighters because one of my clients She was Air Force Special Operations and she had an issue pop-up that was a non-issue for deployment but These bureaucrats were like, you know what? I think we can make her another number. Let's Mm. kick her out. And we actually advocated for her and we saved her career.
1: Well, thank God for that because, I mean, we have a situation now where these, um, our branches are having a hard time making recruitment and retaining people. So it's surprising to me that they would be, um, in certain people, and you're saying like this is not the majority of people that are within the Pentagon, but there is a group who is willing to meet these benchmarks or fill out these numbers for this agency, which means people who may have a chance to recuperate and be fully able to serve, are losing that opportunity
0: yeah a hundred percent and so it's actually there's articles that have come out now and these are very brave uh, military currently serving active duty commanders a lieutenant colonel in uh, the Indo pacom region actually released an article saying hey Defense Health Agency is not only affecting like the wounded warrior population right now it's actually affecting our military readiness because they're doing a terrible job of actually Treating active duty So now you have war fighting units saying You know what defense health agency is not doing a good job So we're actually going to like bring them back Into the military system which is where It resided from 1775 to 2018 And so now military services Are using their actual war fighting budget To like mm-hmm. treat their own You know the health of their own units mm-hmm. So now we got world war three Hopefully god forbid world war three is not going to come And god's going to have mercy on you know the world But like this is not a Moment for you know a America, the defender of liberty around the world, to have our warfighting function and military readiness be compromised. And that's what's happening.
1: Yeah, especially for people who want to stay in uniform. Yes, yeah, they want to keep serving. That's right. the whole idea here, and we we want folks like you and others who love this country and are devoted to it and want to um, carry out whatever assignment you're given in the military. And
0: let me just say this very quickly: this is the military is not a welfare state. So if me or other people, if we're too sick to continue to serve, then we will we will go. I would never continue to wear the you know uniform of my nation, the cloth of the nation, if I couldn't carry a weapon, pick up a rock, and go deploy. But military law: when you're diagnosed with a serious illness, if you're treating says you have up to one year to get healthy that's what's being stolen it's that up to one year and even if we're not healthy we should be given the opportunity to get as healthy as possible so that we can transfer you know to, as a civilian and be a productive member of society it also affects you know how broken you are which is affects your disability rating so this is a major justice issue it seems complex it seems like it's a quagmire but the wounded warrior Bill of Rights is a simple fix because it t- returns authority from Defense Health Agency, civilian bureaucrats, back to the military chain of command, where it resided for 243 years.
1: All right, as always, please keep us updated. I know you said you're on the one yard line. Um, There's a lot going on in Washington. Uh, (laughs) There are a lot of problems with us passing bills that actually will fund the government (laughs) and get these things done. So please keep us, um, we wanna know, because our viewers, our listeners over the years have been on this journey with you and
0: they wanna know. Thank you, Shannon. And
1: I know that it impacts uh, a lot of folks who are in uniform and wanna stay in uniform. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Let's talk about your new book, The Patriots Field Manual, A Citizen's Guide to Saving America at the Local Level. Now, you and I have talked, and and right up front, I want to let folks know you've written this from a conservative point of view. I have. Clearly, um, those are the ideals that you espouse and that you advocate for, but I find there's a lot here in the book beyond that. Just talking to people about... you know, what this country requires of us is we can't just be on autopilot. Whatever your ideological bent is or wherever you're at, if you want this country to remain free and able to um, be a defender of good things around the world, we do actually have to to fight to make her better. And I think that our founders... as they were, as all human beings are, they gave us a framework for fixing things, for amending our constitution, for passing bills. Um, But this is really a rallying cry that you're trying to get people to understand why we should love our country and why we should fight to make her better.
0: Right, 100%. So I'm going to read. This quote is chock full of quotes from, I say, the leaders from the ancient past. Yes, it's
1: got a wonderful <laughs> quotes that really are thought provoking and things you would want to put up on your wall.
0: Yes, and actually, we had one, I think one of my favorite reviews was the reader said, It just made me want to stand up and just shout out the quotes and say, <laughs> Thank God for America. Yep. All right, so this is one of my favorite quotes, uh, and this is from chapter one called Dream Heroic Dreams because. Right now, there's something in the zeitgeist, you know, that's coming from the left side of the aisle that just hates America. There's the 1619 Project, there are things that are saying America's evil and we're looking at the worst things. And like you said, we are not perfect. But what I love about America is that there is a redemptive arc in our storyline. So were we founded, you know, with the original sin of slavery, as some people says, yes. And that was a heinous wrong and I'm not justifying it in any way. But the principles that the founders built into the Declaration of Independence and our other founding documents actually created a redemptive arc pathway, where we you know, unfortunately we had to fight a civil war over this. Mm-hmm. But then now we had an African American be elected president. You know, there's Black Americans. Voice. That's right, who are doing anything possible. You know, they're they're in the elite members of society. So we have a country that's almost 250 years old, and we have healed from our founding sin because of the founding but ideals. But you
1: would admit? There's still a lot of work to be done.
0: Oh, there is so much work to be done. And unfortunately, you know, this goes into, um, you know, my belief as a Christian. Unfortunately, I think we're always going to have racism, like elements of racism with us because we're fallen and because we're sinners. So will all racism ever be completely eradicated? Unfortunately, no, I don't think so until we all get to heaven and all that great stuff we look forward to. But we are making progress, you know, in the proper line in this redemptive arc. Okay. So. Dream heroic dream. So this this book is a positive adrenaline shot of hope about the beauty and greatness of America based on our founding ideals. So Teddy Roosevelt said, and, and it's important, Shannon, to me to provide context for quotes. So Did Teddy Roosevelt say this at the beginning of his life right after he graduated from Harvard before he went into public service? Or was this kind of his magnum opus at the end? And this was at the end of his life It's called citizenship in a republic um, in France in 1910 So a few years before he passed away and he says this in the long run Success or failure will be conditioned upon the way in which the average man the average woman does his or her duty First in the ordinary everyday affairs of life and next in those great occasional crises which call for heroic virtues the average citizen must be a good citizen if our republics are to succeed the stream will not permanently rise higher than the main source and the main source of national power and national greatness is found in the average citizenship of the nation so To me, who is this book for? This book is for Joe Six Pack or like, you know, a mom with kids who feels overwhelmed and they don't know how to get involved in their local level, you know, to save America. This book shows them the way. And that's what Teddy Roosevelt said. He said, it's not about the national leaders, as great as they are and as much as we need them, we need a modern day Lincoln, we need a modern day Churchill, we need a modern day Ronald Reagan, absolutely. But there's also something about America where we need like hundreds of thousands of leaders of virtue at the local level, taking responsibility for their nation.
1: Yeah, and you talk about that and that it is individuals who are stepping into the gap that do bring about real change in our our country. You wrote, you write a lot lot about Dr. King in this book and I wanna read a little bit. I love Dr. King. Yeah. I mean, what an example. Um, You call him a national hero, um, saying that we can unconditionally own the problems of our past without discarding the framework of liberty passed down. And you have a quote from him. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to me, what that sounded like was a call to make things better.
0: That's right. That's absolutely right. So men like Dr. King and Frederick Douglass, they understood that the founding principles laid out in the Declaration of Independence. And I basically, all, I, ha- I have a whole chapter. Chapter three is all about that with what the Declaration of Independence why is our nation exceptional it's not because of our ethnos like I-, I love that We're a melting pot and you can be someone from any color creed and come to America and be a great American But our ethnos is not what makes our country exceptional It's that we were founded on a- an idea that all men are created equal and so Frederick Douglass Martin dr. King they understood that and they're right in the middle, you know the Frederick Douglass fight for slavery You know the Civil War Dr. King, you know, the civil rights and their understanding and they're seeing this with clear open eyes and it's antithetical to this, you know, hatred of America that's in the zeitgeist. And so we have to look to them. They are our national heroes.
1: Um, you also have what it is to be an American. I thought this anyway. was interesting. We we're saying, um, I mean, to me, this country is such a beautiful place. We've we've talked about this at. It doesn't matter what your viewpoint is i um, short of harming someone you're allowed to speak your mind which is right. a very rare thing in the world these days right um, and that means things that you are gonna disagree with because why would we want to protect speech if it was all just beautiful and wonderful and kumbaya because it wouldn't need protection I mean the Supreme Court has protected some of the worst most heinous speech out there right because it is so critical to us being able to speak our minds and to share our ideas and to have really difficult debates and conversations um, but you talk about to be an American you say it's to be something noble and good an american is to be full of optimism for the future marked by a determination to fight for what is right it's full of kindness for those in need to show courage in the face of adversity to embrace hard work and be generous with the fruits of our labor to learn from our mistakes with openness and honesty and then We are then to instill those values in the next generation. That's right. They're not just something that people wake up one day and like, I feel like I'm going to stand on the courage of my convictions and I'm going to try to make things better in this country versus just checking out and saying, well, it's beyond redemption. 100%.
0: 100%. And, you know, on that note, I'll just say this book is only 20,000 words. So, you know, as we're holding it here, it's not very thick. It's it's totally doable to read. And what I did in there is I included a lot of appendices. Mm-hmm. And so one of those appendices is uh, 22 books for a reading list because I do, uh, in, in part two, I really get into the practical level. So part one is philosophical. It's the defense of America and philosophically everything we're talking about. And then part two is very practical. And so I, talk about the problem, the players, and the process, and I lay out 22 archetypes of people so you can be the warrior, the catalyst, where you're in the front and you're mobilizing the troops. Then I also have things in there that are like the worker bees, you know, where you're behind the scenes and you're going and knocking on doors in your community or you're doing little fundraisers. So whatever your personality type is or your leadership giftings are, there is a place for you. And I tried to reverse engineer what the Red, White, and Blueprint team did in Northern California because they did this successful historic recall under the California Constitution. They won. And it was just so great that people started asking them, how did you do this? Mm And so I had represented them because not a lot of other attorneys you know they said no, and I went up there and I was like, "I will take a stand for you against the state of California because it was a first amendment issue, Shannon, as we've discussed, and they were just bullying them and w- there there's you're the Supreme Court expert, and as you stated, there is wide latitude as long as you're not like actually harming anyone we're that is a, that. yeah that is a, the beauty of our country is freedom of speech. Let's have this out nonviolently in the marketplace of ideas that that's where we can disagree while we're still loving our enemies, you know. Mm-hmm ronald reagan and tip o'neill you know republican Mm -hmm. president democratic speaker of the house they would fight like cats and dogs in the issues and then they would go have a meal together at night this is what we need Mm -hmm. this is the spirit that we need this is the spirit that my book is written in so yes it's written from a conservative perspective but i have liberal leftist friends too Mm -hmm. and being in the military for 12 years like it's it's a melting pot and Mm -hmm. so that's the spirit that i'm coming in
1: yeah and if people want to tackle issues whatever their ideological issue is this book has a lot about who those people need to be, how you need to organize, and that kind right. of thing. Um, and, right, you're going to have one viewpoint. Somebody else may have another. Yep. Um, but what I think is interesting here, you say, you and I are both people of faith. You said you don't have to be a people, a person of faith. Right. Um, but our founders did say that we need to have some kind of moral compass. Right. So that the framework they've given us, we can do better with it. Um, and I thought that was important. You also talk about praying for our leaders. Yes. And, it doesn't matter about party. I do that. I know you do it, too. Yep. I want the men and women who are leading this country, whether they're in the judiciary or on Capitol Hill, the White House, whatever, to be protected. I want them to be wise. I want them to have discretion because I can't imagine the difficult decisions they make every single day. Yeah. Some of them will never know about, but it's the grind of being that kind of leader. Um, so I think the call to pray for people, whether you agree with them or not. Um, is important part of the conversation, too.
0: Well, it's a biblical command in 1 Timothy 2, you know, and that, and that was written if I'm, um, listen, I'm not a trained theologian, but I, if I'm correct with my biblical history, that was written around the time, like, Nero was burning Christians at the stake, and Paul is telling his spiritual son Timothy... First of all, you know, you must pray that for leaders so that you may live quiet and dignified godly lives So like how much more so do we have a responsibility where we're not living under a dictatorial regime? We're living in America the land of the free and the home of the brave Let's pray for our leaders even if we don't agree with them Especially when we don't agree with them and love our enemies and I'll kind of like, you know close on this thought with this thought I don't know who said it, but when I was always when I was deployed into combat and I would be giving rules of engagement International law of armed conflict briefs, you know when you're in combat and you know somebody is trying to kill you That is probably the most difficult arena to love your enemies in, right because we are (laughs) we are allowed to legally kill them Right, but there there was a quote. I think it was from G.K. Chesterton and he said uh, the American soldier fights Because he loves what behind what is behind him not because he hates what is in Mm -hmm. front of him Mm -hmm. and that's the spirit in which I have written this book Mm -hmm. is like I don't want to be like angry and oh, you know I want to love my enemies while still simultaneously standing on the principles of the conservative Christian, you know, beliefs that I believe were the foundation bedrock of our society.
1: The book is called The Patriot's Field Manual, A Citizen's Guide to Saving America at the Local Level. Will, thank you for the updates on all the fronts. Keep us updated on that bill on Capitol Hill. Um, We know the one yard line can be a tough place to be with the current environment in Washington, but um, your selfless work for wounded warriors all over our country. Is something that you've invested years in and we know you're fighting for other people because of what you so deeply believe So thank you for that.
0: Thank you, Shannon and people can buy the book at will o stan And I just, I wish I had another hour to thank you because that's what it would take. But you are a true fellow warrior. You're a wonderful friend and you're my sister. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you too.
1: Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.